But do you know sometimes I will post something and for like maybe this week, it's like I'm not getting a lot of likes on the things that I'm posting and I will reevaluate my like if I'm good enough or if I'm going to have a career. And I'm like, girl, you are you just did a job for, you know, the New Yorker. Why why are you doing this to yourself? So I think it's so important for people to know that. Like, do not let that light count uh, fog your vision of the value that you bring because they don't equate. What's going on, y'all? You have just tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. On this show, I invite black photographers, filmmakers, editors, and creative business folks to discuss their experiences and share their wisdom. You will hear about their work, their challenges, and their inspirations. My name is Idris Talib Solomon, a creative director, photographer, and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York. So if you dig photography and you love the culture, keep your mind open and your headphones locked. This is the Black Shutter Podcast. This is episode 17 of the Black Shutter Podcast. You know, it's always amazing to observe different photographers utilizing their cameras in unique ways. There are some photographers who use the camera to document history and life in its natural state, and there are others who use the camera as a starting point to a larger idea. Our guest on this episode rarely stops at the photographic image, which in her case is often an empowering portrait of a black woman. Once she photographs them, she then proceeds to paint, draw, and write symbols all over the portrait to add another layer of messaging. It makes her work unique and identifiable. Her style has landed her commissioned jobs with Black Girls Code, Refinery29, The New Yorker, and HBO. Nicole Washington, welcome to the Black Shutter Podcast. How you feeling out there, sis? Hey, uh, I am feeling pretty good. I'm super honored that you asked me to be on the podcast. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. That's great. That's great. You know, the honor is all mine. You know, um, this is a, you know, a, a pretty awesome opportunity to just speak with so many talented photographers out there who approach the craft from so many different angles, you know, so I, I learned from your stories, and I hope the audience learns from your stories and your experience as well. So, you know, thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us where you're calling in from. I am in Austin, New York. Um, Austin, everyone always asks me, like, where the hell is that? Um, it's like, I don't know, it's like 45 minutes in the Bronx. Uh, me and my husband moved out here a few years ago. And so, yeah, here I am, Austin, New York. Austin, you said so it's right above the Bronx? Well, it's right off the Hudson's. I was saying it's like 45 minutes from the Bronx. Um, so, yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too far from the city. Okay. I'm in the city all the time. Yeah. Nice, nice. So you consider yourself um, New York New York City-based? I do. It's, it's funny. Like, I moved to New York City 10 years ago. Maybe, I think it's coming up on my 11th year, actually. And I, most of the time, I lived in... Brooklyn. I lived in the city a few times. Um, and then like two and a half years ago, me and my husband moved up here. And so I, it feels like I'm still New York City based because like I'm always in the city. But I mean, I'm not exactly living in the city, mm -hmm. but I do work in the city. Like if I, you know, 
like if I get do a job or something like that, or most people that hire me are in the city. So nice, nice. Now, um, are you from New York originally, or are you from somewhere else? You said you moved here eleven years ago. Yeah, I'm from Minnesota. I Minnesota. grew up in Roseville, Minnesota. Yep. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, so, um, how's the transition been? You know, moving from Minnesota to to the to the hub, New York. <laughs> you know, I well, so I actually I lived in Los Angeles for a little bit, and then I moved to New York. So I was kind of I've been like used to living in the city, but it's so funny. Like I always knew that I wanted to come to New York, but I remember I came to visit here, like when I was in like high school or something like that, and I was like, I, this is this is too much of a transition. I'm not ready for New York yet. Hmm. So I ended up going to school in Los Angeles. And then I was kind of like, I mean, Los Angeles was, was cool, but I felt like, I don't know. I just had this feeling like I, I still need to go to New York. And ever since I've moved here, like New York has become home. Like I love New York city more than any other place I've been in the world. Like I love New York city and I love Minnesota too. Like I love the twin cities, but I just love New York. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it feels like home and yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I think you and I first met, I was at a um, a talk at Columbia University. I think it was Kamoinge. Some of the members of yeah. Kamoinge were talking. And you and I, like, I didn't speak to you or, or see you or notice you in the actual um, the talk. But then on a mm-hmm. way... I think on the, we were on the same uh, train car heading home afterwards, yep. and then we kind of recognized each other from being in that in that workshop, and we just started talking. I think it was for like a stop or two. It was real yeah. short and real brief, but yeah. we were just talking about, you know, I, I think at the time you were still in SVA and you were just asking questions like, how do you um, find your voice or your tone in a in a yeah academic yeah. institution that may not understand where you're coming from as a black creator. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And the more that you're talking about that, I, it's like coming back to me more. Yeah. That's the other good thing about New York City, man. You know, it's just like that random chance that we got on the train and are still talking about it. But yeah, that um, I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was so dope, too, because it was such a brief conversation. And mm-hmm. I think we traded IGs, and then I, I, mm-hmm. I saw your work, and I was like, holy shit, this is dope, you know? And, <laughs> oh, man, thanks. Yeah, and, you know, definitely want to get into more of your work and your inspirations, but um, I just thought that chance encounter on the, on a train, you know, um, was really telling, you know, especially about, like, just being a creative in New York, being a black creative in New York. Yeah. You know, this yep. was several years ago, but... Here we are yep. now, you know, uh, recording the podcast episode together. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, yep. And you know, what's also funny is uh, that's also the first time I don't even know if I met Russell Frederick that day. Um, he's a member of Kamoinge, mm-hmm. and um, I now like he's such like an awesome like mentor in my life, and it's just so crazy. Like, yeah, like all of that was just. That was kind of, yeah, I was in SVA and I was still trying to find my voice as a photographer and just had so many questions. And so it's so cool to like, I don't, I don't know if it's full circle, but a few years later to still be in contact with you and other people that I've met and just, yeah, I think that like having that artistic community, even if you don't talk to people every day, 
it's still really important to like know who's out there and what we're doing, especially like artists of color. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you, you had some frustrations at the time being an SVA and, and creating the type of work that you were creating. Um, what did you study at SVA? I studied digital photography. I did the um, NPSDP program, um, which is a digital photography program. I was kind of like when I um, was looking for master's programs to go through, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do like the MFA, but when I saw the work coming out of the digital program, I was like, okay, I really love this. Um, And I think, you know, I think my frustrations at the time were, I mean, the program was really dope. My teachers were really great, but there wasn't, there wasn't like a lot of black people, you know what I mean? Like as far as students, actually, I felt pretty lucky um, because there were like a few other black uh, students in my program, but there weren't any black teachers in the program and the photographers that I learned about, there were very few black photographers that I learned about. And so my work has always been like about identity and like exploring my personal story. And so I was constantly feeling like I couldn't, um, I didn't have like a mirror to look up to or, you know, I, I still, I just felt like something was missing and I and so, yeah, that's kind of like what I was frustrated with at that time. I mean, I think that experience is something that's common amongst many black creatives, black photographers specifically, is that we're learning about photography. We're learning about the greats and the legends and the masters of photography from mostly white photographers who look at other white photographers as, yeah. as the yeah. benchmark. So when we are learning lighting we are learning how to light lighter skin and not yeah. darker skin, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so those are things that we've had to either unlearn or just kind of ignore or adopt it, but then we create work that might feel a little bit disconnected from, you know, our culture and our people, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Your, your, your work is very unique. You know, um, and you know, I'm sure you have an interesting story, but you went to SVA to study mm-hmm. digital photography. But mm-hmm. when I look at your work, you, you're, in my opinion, you're more than a photographer. You know, I see yeah. the, the the painting and the illustrations, and you know, if you go to, if any of you go to Nicole's um, Instagram page, you'll see like behind the scenes. Um, you know, videos of, of her making her work. And it, sometimes it'd be like these seven foot, you know, walls and she's just painting textures <laughs> on them. And, then, and it's just like, it's it's amazing to be able to combine these different skills. Like, how did you, like, what started first for you? Did you discover photography first? Did you, were you like a, a illustrator, drawer, painter when you were young? Like, how did you land on this path where you're combining these different techniques? You know, I think about that a lot because I'm always like, who am I as an artist? Like, well, how did I come to this? And so I think it's just, I have finally come to a place where I have combined all my interests. So, okay, I was just thinking the other day of like how I first got into photography. And I was, I thought it was 
I don't know, maybe in like the 2000s, that's when I um, was really um, like I had bought a camera and I was really like, okay, I'm going to try to learn photography. But then I started thinking about it. And when I was young, like when I was like, you know, a preteen, I would take pictures with the throwaway cameras I would I was constantly buying throwaway cameras from um like Walgreens and I was taking pictures all of the time like we do with our phone now and I was mostly taking pictures of like I would dress my friends up and I would take pictures and I wasn't even doing anything with them and I didn't even think of myself as a photographer and I think I didn't think of myself as a photographer because maybe I didn't know any photographers or I didn't like see any stories of photographers around me so I didn't understand like yes if you're picking up a camera and constantly taking photos like you are on a photographer's path but I just didn't think of it that way and um and even like after like you know I, I after like having a throwaway camera I remember like in college I had bought um like a little digital camera not like a DSLR but like it was like a little Sony camera and I was constantly taking pictures with those too and still like not thinking of myself as a photographer and um and I also had other interests too like I've always been interested in fashion like I remember from the age of like 10 I would order Elle magazine and Bizarre magazine and I was just like obsessed with looking at images I wasn't even like you know sometimes I would read the stories but like it was always really the advertising images too because I really loved uh like the bold fashion photography where like the subject takes up most of the frame and I I was obsessed with that and then, like, I was always, like, sketching and drawing as a child, so I was, like, really into painting, but I didn't, I knew I wanted to be an artist, but I just didn't know, like, which area, and so um, I studied uh, fashion marketing, that was my undergrad studies, and uh, I thought I wanted to be a stylist, I, I by the time I uh, moved to New York, I actually assisted a stylist, and I was like, oh, no, this is not for me, hmm. and uh then um, I was like, okay, I want to, I was still like trying to find I my voice. Like I didn't, I knew I had these like different interests, but I didn't know like which direction to go in. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to like just create a fashion blog because I'm interested in fashion. And so that's when I bought a camera and I was like, okay, I'm going to take photos for my fashion blog. And as I was taking photos, I was like, oh, this, here's as here's a whole new world that has opened up to me. Like I then began to think of myself as a photographer and that's when I started to explore more. And like one of the things that I think really inspired me is that I started to take a lot of self-portraits and I realized like, oh, wow, like this is transformative, like on a deeper level than just like, oh, I'm just trying to snap a pic. Like I feel something as I'm taking these photos and I'm trying to express something deep within me and so um I hadn't had any training as a photographer but I, I continued to take photos and um eventually I found my way to like okay I feel like I'm a portrait photographer and so then I was at a point at that time where I was like 
okay, I know I want to be a photographer, but I don't know how to break into the industry. Um, I had like done some assisting jobs that I had found on like Craigslist, but I still felt like, okay, the people that I'm assisting, I don't feel like, oh, I want this job. And so um, that is when um, I started, oh no, I found SVA and I was like, um, I don't even remember why I decided that like SCA was the place I wanted to go to. I think I saw a flyer with an image that I really loved. And um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go see about the some programs at School of Visual Arts. And that's when I decided to uh, explore photography or not explore photography. I'm sorry, um, uh, study photography. And so as I was in school, as I was telling you before, I was still kind of frustrated because I was learning a lot of technical skills, but like, I still feel felt like, okay, I'm not like my, I'm not, um, the kind of work that I'm making for homework is not exactly the kind of work that I want to do. And I didn't have, um, an explanation or like, you know, like even the photographers that were coming to visit or the photographers that we were learning about, of course, I learned about a lot of amazing photographers, but I still felt like, you know, um, I still haven't found my, like figured out what I want to do. And, you know, that's talking about my frustrations. You would think somebody in my program would have been like, Oh, why don't you check out Lana Simpson's work? You know what I mean? And like, you know, there's so many women especially black women that I could have been pointed to but I don't remember anybody like pointing me in that direction and so what happened was my thesis project uh you had to pick an advisor and I I don't know I just was like I my friend Tim Okamura uh is a painter and I just saw something of myself in his work um, and so I was like, you know, he's not a photographer, but I love his work. I'm going to ask him, and you know, he's a successful artist in the industry. And so when he was my thesis advisor, he was kind of started pushing me to paint on my work because, um, by that time I had figured out that my thesis project was going to be inspired by 1990s female hip hop artists mm. and that I wanted to make work somehow expressing how these women inspired me and so he was like you know when you think about the 90s it was like especially when you think about art during that time it was very like raw cut and paste and he was like your photos are so sharp and so like perfect and I feel like you're not letting yourself uh break through and he was like you should just like rip them up and and paint on them step on them you know and so that is when um I started painting and that is when I was like, oh, yes, this is where I excel when I start to mix mediums. So you started painting on your work in SVA? Yeah. Yep. Wow. And illustrating as well? Yeah, it was. Um, so I started, I don't know if you ever saw my series For My Girls. For but My Girls, the, yeah. Yes. So... I would I was taking portraits and I was just really drawing expression lines around them. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I see it now, I didn't know it then, but I realized that like, okay, you know, for me, photography is like this collaboration. Like 
I love being a photography. Like a photography is such an important part of my process because I love sitting down to take a portrait because I feel like not only am I able to get to know my subject, but it's like I can capture just a little piece of that person's spirit in that time. And so then it's like I'm in, I end up with this image that has a part of this person's spirit. And then I'm adding my voice on heavier the way that, you know, some people add their voice, you know, they have a certain like lighting or certain color and, you know, you know, like, oh, that's that person's voice. But for me, it's the the cut and paste aspect. It's like, okay, now I'm going to like take this person and their spirit into my world. And that's where like the painting and all of that comes in. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, looking at your work, it would, you know, you would assume that you had years of like illustration or painting experience. Um, so that's, that's, that's pretty interesting to hear that you, you kind of, um, I don't want to say stumbled on it, but you discovered that that combination of, you know, mediums at SVA. Um, yeah. what, so what, I, I imagine that might've been a curveball for some of your professors for like to go through this digital photography program just you uh-huh. know doing straight up portraits or straight up photos and then one day coming in with a bunch of illustrations and and mixed media like how was that received when you started to bring this type of work in you know it was really encouraged when i did it they were like also like oh her voice is now there mm-hmm. you know so they completely were like yes keep going keep you know, keep doing what you're doing. And so, um, and I'm really grateful for that. So, um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I think they were just, they understood that like I kind of needed room to like express myself. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, hearing about your early experience as a fashion, you know, fashion marketing major, Mm-hmm. And, and your interest in being in fashion, I see that in your portraits. You know, it looks mm-hmm. like your portraits as a standalone image can mm-hmm. be like like fashiony or you know um, beauty, but mm-hmm. then and that's that's one one angle of your voice, right? Is the way you capture mm-hmm. captured um, the person sitting for you, and then the other angle of your voice is the colors and the textures and the symbols that you draw on top of them. So I think that just is no denying that that's a Nicole Washington piece. You know what I mean? Oh, and, man. That's like, dope. <laughs> I mean, because think about it. Nobody can take that away. Like, you know, um, there are certain photographers who are really good at portraits and you can look at the image and know as soon as you see it, that's a X, Y, Z photographer, right? You know who mm-hmm. they are. But then when you mm-hmm. do the added layer of you know, discovering what your your uh, illustration or painting style is, those two combinations just make it so unique and so easily identifiable that is no way anybody can really copy it. You know, it's just mm. not good. It's just gonna fall so flat. You know. Mhm. So I think that's I think that's you know really amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So when I look at your work, I see largely upper 90 percentile black women featured mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. think and i think that's beautiful i think the other day you posted um it might have been um like a client work 
you posted an image of a dude with the same mm-hmm. style. And I was like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> it, 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 it was something that was so, um, I don't say foreign, but it was something that was, uh, you know, like I said, 99% of your work yeah. is all black women. So as soon as you posted the image of a black dude, I was like, whoa, that's that's different. Something is different about this, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it's cool hearing how you, you, um, you kind of went in the direction of, uh, you know, focusing on black women and, and creating a voice. Can you talk a little bit about the For My Girls project and how you, you know, created that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, my work has always been about identity. And I think it's because... Um, I have been, you know, to be, as you know, to be Black in America can feel like you are constantly, like, looking inward. And that's because, like, you don't, maybe because you don't always see yourself or or things like that. And I, and I also feel like being Black, you can get boxed in. And then it's like, okay, if you don't fit these stereotypes or if this is not your voice, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're not Black. And so I think a lot of my work has been me trying to um, just, like, find, just, like, explore the different parts of my identity as a Black woman. Um, And For My Girls was kind of, like, the beginning of that. Um, So, yeah, so For My Girls started out in... Um, as a project for School of Visual Arts, my thesis project. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, again, I was thinking about identity and how I wanted to, like, what what kind of project could I come up with that's an exploration of my identity. And then I started to think about uh, 1990s hip-hop artists and how much they meant to me and how much they really formed, helped to form my identity. I think that women in hip hop now, there's so much more, but there was a period of like, you know, from 2000 something to, you know, really just recently where it was very limited as to what women were in hip hop and like how they express themselves. But in the 90s, it was like there were so many women. There was like Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, Eve, MC Light, like all of these different women that you could look up to and be like, oh, that's my style. Oh, no, that's my style. And like not feeling like there was just one type. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if I'm going to be a black woman in hip hop, it's going to be just this, you know? And I felt like um, that was so great for me because it showed me that like, I can be, I can have these different layers to my personality and I can show these different parts of my personality. And I just even think like, just like even just Missy Elliott alone, like she just pushed the boundaries of identity and style and, you know, femininity in so many different ways. And so um, I was just like, I'm absolutely going to do a project on these women. And so I was just like, you know, I'm just, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take portraits of different women. Um, and I just, I found, you know, some of the women were friends. Sometimes I would find people on Instagram and I was like, Oh, this person looks so interesting. And I feel like there's something there. I would just hit people up. And, um, 
I uh, would photograph them inspired by uh, photographs that I saw of women in hip hop in the 90s. And you know what's interesting, now that I think about it, it's funny, like I went to a portfolio review um, before I graduated and there was this, I don't even remember who the photographer was, but he was a photographer that took a lot of portraits of artists in the 90s. And he was like, you know, I think this project's really great. And he was like, but this has been done so much before. Maybe you could, uh, you know, why don't you photograph something like completely different, you know? And I thought about that. And then this, you know, and this photographer was a white photographer. And I don't think he meant anything by it. But as I was thinking of, as I thought about it, I was like, you know, no, this hasn't been done so much before because, you know, so many people behind the lens have been white. And that it makes such a difference when the person behind the lens is a black person photographing another black person. And it doesn't mean that, you know, every time a black photographer photographs somebody, they have to be black. But it does. Um, I think it's important some of the time, and especially as I'm telling this story about how 1990s women hip hop meant so much to me, um, I'm going to have a different take on it, being a black woman who is expressing this side of herself and is exploring this genre. So then I was just like, I'm going to, you know, stick with it. And um, yeah, so I, I created the series. It ended up being like this photo paint series. And uh, it really was like, really launched, I don't, my career kind of like, at when I graduated, it was like, I guess people really kind of took to it. And so um, I like, you know, I was able to show it in exhibitions. And um, also people kind of would like, want to hire me editorially to like, create art uh, work that was similar. And that was kind of difficult for me, too, because it was like, you know, I created this these works not with any kind of like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I was very much thinking of creating them as artworks. And so um, when people wanted me to do it editorially, I was kind of torn about it. But that's another part of me that I've uh, come to, um, I guess, accept over the years too, is that I'm an artist that kind of like, I mean, I don't know if I'm fine art or commercial. Like I've had people, I've gone to portfolio reviews. Like I went to a New York Times portfolio, portfolio review and like half the people were like, oh, this is beautiful. They saw it as art. And then half the people were like, oh, you should really go down more of a commercial direction. This is like way commercial and you should make mostly commercial work or focused on that. And um, I've really uh, had to stick with, my inner voice uh, and kind of like sculpt a career for myself uh, because it's sometimes people can only see like, oh, you do this or this. And I'm just, I just, it, I don't feel defined, you know? And sometimes that's really frustrating for me, um, but sometimes that's also really liberating. So the works that you were showing, the work that you showed to the, the white photographer and then to um, folks at the New York Times Portfolio Review, this was uh -huh. work. This was like the evolved work with your, your painting and illustrating on it, or were these just yeah, the photos? Yeah, this was mostly for my girls' stuff, because this was at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I think hearing what the, the first reviewer, the white photographer, 
saying that this has been done before, I think is always interesting because uh, I feel like in black spaces, if something we don't we don't get the option of doing thing exploring something multiple times, you know, yeah. and being able to have different perspectives and different approaches to something. It's like it's one and done, you know. If you look at TV programming, it's we usually have like the the same kinds of shows on, and if we try to do something else, then you know we don't get the same sort of options and, and flexibility. Yeah. So him saying that might mean that, oh, back in 1994, this one artist, probably a white artist, uh, did a, a photo series of the five MCs that existed then and yep. threw some paint splatters on it. So, um, you know, book is closed. You can't do anything more with it. Uh, it's, it's signed, sealed, delivered, done. And it's like, yeah. well, it's 20-something years later, like... Yeah, we can do it again and revisit it and evolve it. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm glad that you took took what he said and and kind of uh, ignored it and continued mm -hmm. to to push on because everybody's not going to understand your voice and some people can't envision yes. people can't <laughs> envision what you have in mind until you show it to them. You know, that's so, so true. That's good. Good for you. Good for you. Thanks. So when I look at your work, you know, I see you combine like you combine women and, mm -hmm. and like like uh, feminine strength. You you apply textures and patterns, and you. What I really like about your work is the symbols mm. that, that you include, and these symbols look like they are a combination of adinkra and hieroglyphics. And yeah. <laughs> you know, so when I see that, I'm just like, okay, where where do you get your inspiration from? Because to combine photography, these adinkra symbols and hieroglyphics and painting and like you have to be consuming art at like a high volume. So where do you get your <laughs> seriously, like all day you have to be looking at stuff, you know? Um that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking when I see work like that. So um, where do you get your inspiration from? Do you study pho photography? Do you study art? Do you study history? Like, um, walk us through that process. So you're right. They are absolutely inspired by hieroglyphs and Nadinkar symbols. Like, I always say that. Um, and yeah, you know, I think it's because I am someone that I don't see, like, when it comes to inspiration, I can be inspired by clothing, by nature, by um, art. Like, I do spend a lot of times going to museums. Like, I have obviously not recently because of COVID, but, um, like, museums, being in a museum, I just love it. I just love to go to a museum by myself and just, like, just sit with work. And it doesn't, and sometimes it's like, I'll, you know, I go to ICP, I see photography, I go to the new museum, I see, you know, multimedia works. It doesn't, I don't have like a, um, uh, I don't have boundaries like that. So when it comes to the symbols, the story of that is, is that it used to be words. I used to write like, you know, I, I was writing kind of like words around my photos and for me it was it was cool but it was a little bit too maybe literal 
and I wanted to create something that people like meditated upon more where they were like, okay, what does that symbol mean? How does that make me feel? And I feel like symbols do that. And I've always been inspired by, um, Egyptian art and, uh, and obviously African art. So I just, yeah, I just kind of like started to create my own language. It was just came from me like doodling. And then these symbols, they, well, my paint strokes, evolved into symbols around my works and so um and each of the symbols has meaning um you know it's funny i'm looking at my chart of symbols now like there's heaven and earth communication with ancestors balance independent um and grief and all of them are like kind of like these like healing transformative meanings but i don't write them as like sentences you know like if when you see the symbols in my artwork it's not like i'm trying to get people to like read a sentence it's really just i want to draw people in to the work and kind of have their own experience and i think what inspired it was that um you know a lot of my work in the beginning was uh, was about like you know listing women, especially black women up and showing their strength. But then I started to, um, you know, as I make work, I started to get more involved with the process and, you know, creating work is a very like spiritual process for me. And even just that kind of like my, uh, my journey in life too, of like finding my own spirituality and like, uh, you know, thinking and reflecting upon my own path in life. And so um, it's more of a meditation. It's a meditation for me to like draw them. So when others are looking at the work, I'm hoping that they will kind of like have a meditative experience with it too. And also like my newer work I've, I've noticed and, you know, been conscious of it's, it's like, it's more kind of like magical than the, the other work was more, I think there was magic in it, but it was expressive. But now it's just like, some of the poses that you see the women doing in the work now it's like almost as if they're like conjuring up something or or you know and so I view I sometimes say that like I feel like the symbols are like casting spells as well Mm. and um and you know it's always about like love and positivity but um it's you know I just want I think that also has to do with me trying to explore different parts of my identity as a black woman and not and feeling like I don't you know I've I I have this like theme in my life of always kind of like feeling like I don't fit in anywhere and so I feel like that with my work and sometimes I feel like that as a person and so um the symbols uh are just for me personally are uh just like this special atmosphere that I can create that's home and that's healing and that allows for me to um it's me making space for myself and hopefully for others beautiful beautiful I would love to see what this alphabet of uh, symbols looks like do you have you have it is it like personal for you or do you have it like no public? I, think so. I can show you a snapshot of it it's just it's it what it is is a page from my uh notebook my sketchbook at that time and when i first as i started to like create them and then i was like oh okay so then i was like okay i'm gonna define them and so it's literally like i ripped that page out of my sketchbook and taped it up and on my wall and so like i have this like 
alphabet of symbols. It's not really an alphabet because they, they're not mm -hmm. uh, letters, but they're more, um, uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're symbols. So they have uh, different meanings, but, um, but yeah, if people, I'm not, they're not like secret. Like if somebody asks me, I'm okay with telling them what it means. That's dope. That's dope. Um, is the, is the library growing and evolving? Do you add new symbols to it or is it just, does it just stay the way you created it originally? I, it is evolving. Um, so I have added new symbols and also I've noticed even just the way that I draw the symbols has changed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like me refining it over time. Um, and at first I was kind of like, Oh, do I need to like make sure that everything is the same? Because if people look at my work, from years before and they're like oh she's just doing whatever now but I was like no when you think about like language language changes and evolves over time the way that people say things you know people introduce new words into the a language and the whole reason why I created these symbols is that to create more fluidity for myself and in the world and so it's okay if things are if things change and evolve they don't have to be so rigid so yeah I do um add to them that's great. Yeah, definitely. If you if you could share a snapshot of what some of these symbols look like yeah. all together, that would be great. I would love to um, share that with folks. What's up, family? If you're enjoying this episode, do us a solid by leaving us a five-star rating or reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We appreciate the support. So on that note, we're going to get back into the show. Peace. One, I want to speak about some of your most recent work. And this mm -hmm. project may not be as recent, but I still want to talk about it. Um, I love the Black Girls Code project piece that you did. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yo, so if, if you, you all listening are not aware or not familiar with it, like Black Girls Code is an organization that teaches young black girls how to code, right? Pretty simple. Um, because that's a field that you don't see many black folks in and you definitely don't see that many black females. And so to, to get these young girls early, get them into code academies and, and learning the language of coding is, is brilliant. You know, it's a great initiative. And I remember mm -hmm. Nicole posted a piece that she did for, this was for like the, the office or the headquarters, right? Yeah, in, uh, in Oakland. Nice. So um, they they commissioned you, right? You they yeah. they took care of you, flew you out there, gave you the yep. space to. That's so dope. And what I liked about this image was, it was this young girl, look, you know, um, the typical. I don't want to say typical, but you know, she looked like she was really smart and like just. Uh, I don't say nerdy or, or or techie, but you know, in that frame but you put you you framed it in a way with the colors and the the patterns and the symbols that to me anybody walking into that space and just seeing that that piece would be inspired to keep going to keep doing what they're doing even though it's not a field that is always inviting to them you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'd love for you to um to hear like your thoughts on on that project and how you you know, um, came up with the concept. 
yeah, so, you know, uh, Kianda Powell reached out to me. Kianda is an amazing interior designer, and she was uh, working with Black Girls Code. They were redoing their headquarters, and so they were... Um, they had reached out to a lot of different like black artists for art for the headquarters, but they were, they, she said they wanted, um, uh, the, the creator of black girls code wanted a piece kind of like, a uh, I, I don't know, graffiti or street art piece, but they wanted it not, they wanted something different than the street art that they were seeing in the streets. Um, which, wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm definitely very much inspired by street artists and I love street art. Uh, but I guess they had come across my page and they wanted, uh, she was like, Oh, I love her style. How about her? And so, um, it was really cool because I had been wanting to do something like that for a really long time. I just wanted to be able to like put, my art up on a wall. And also like when I'm thinking about boundaries, like I'm, I always like want to go like just drawing on a wall is just, I don't know. It just feels so good to me. I don't know why, but, um, so they had one of my works in mind, this piece called, uh, conjurer two. And I was really surprised that they wanted that piece because it was so, um, it was like a little bit less graphic than my other pieces. Like I would think that they want something more like for my girls. And then also I was like, okay, it was a piece that had the symbols in it, but they were like, we love that. If there's some way that you could add some tech symbols and also uh, a few Adinkra symbols, which was like totally cool with me because mm -hmm. my symbols are inspired by Adinkra symbols. And um, they actually provided me with a photo taken by a photographer, Curtis Jarrett, Germany, I think his name, yeah, Curtis, Germany. Um, and it was a photo that they had of one of their students. And so I was totally cool with that, um, working with somebody else's photo. Um, but yeah, so they sent me the photo. I printed it out really big. I pasted it, you know, I, they flew me out to uh, uh, Oakland. Um, and yeah, I just like, I literally like got off the plane and got right to work. I started out by pasting the photo to the wall and then I painted, I started painting my symbols and I was so nervous because I had not, uh, one, I hadn't worked that big before. And also, um, I hadn't painted on a wall before and it was like, I can't mess up. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. this is it. And this is their headquarters too. And everything looks so nice in there because they're redoing everything. And so I was like, so nervous during that whole time and um it took me like two days to to do it i worked on it but um but yeah like i mean i had planned it before too like you know as we were talking about what we were going to create for them like i was able to create it digitally and then um and so that we would have uh, some kind of like blueprint of what it would look like once it's done uh, physically on the wall. And so, um, yeah. And it's so crazy because like, I, I have always known about, well, I shouldn't say always, but for years I had known about black girls code and I had wanted to do something with him. Like, this is what I want to do with my art. I want to take it to spaces where young black girls can see themselves in different light. You know what I mean? And so I was just an honor to do that. And uh, it, it was just dope. It was like, and also like to be able to do it on a wall and, you know, 
I, I love creating like smaller works, but like it's really nice to get off the canvas or away from the screen, you know, and to create something that is going to be in person and around a community. So um, it was it was awesome. <laughs> well, I, I imagine this, this feels dope to draw on the wall because all of our life we're told not to draw on the wall. Yeah. You yep. know? So exactly. that's that's got to be liberating. Like, ah, yeah, I told you, Ma, this was going to take me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because my mom was not ever mm -hmm. letting me draw on her wall. <laughs> and now you got to be like, look, Ma, people paying me to draw on walls. Right. <laughs> She's like, okay, that's good for yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. She's still like, not my walls. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. So um, some more recent projects um, I want to talk about is... Um, You've recently done some work for Spike Lee. She's got to have it, right? Yes, that was. You know what that was? That was actually I was commissioned by Refinery Twenty Nine. Got it. And they were doing a story on Dewanda Weiss, mm -hmm. who is stars in the uh, the Spike Lee's remake of She Got She's Got to Have It, the Netflix series. Um, so yeah, yes. Yeah. So you. I remember seeing pieces for that, and then recently you've done something for uh, Insecure on HBO. Oh, yes. That was right. like, I thank you so much. I have you to thank for that. That was, like, amazing. Nice, <laughs> nice. I love Insecure so much. So the fact that that came into my inbox, and it's funny because, like, I don't remember if you hit me up. You asked me something. I forgot what you asked me. Um. But I didn't know it was going to be for that. I think you told me, like, oh, I told somebody about your work, so they might be contacting you. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then, like, I saw my inbox, HBO Insecure, and I was like, hold on a minute. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, I definitely, you know, when I, when I meet somebody and their work stands out to me, I always remember, I have like this weird thing where I categorize different people and the different types of work that they do. I have like this crazy creative Rolodex in my brain. And wow. as soon as, uh, as soon as the opportunity pops up for me to like access that Rolodex, I usually have like the, the, the right person in mind for it. So when the opportunity popped up, I thought, yeah, Nicole Washington. I said, first of all, it's insecure. It's um, like Issa Rae crushing it. You I know? know. And my thing is, all right, cool. We could get dope artists on this, mm -hmm. right? But we could get, we could take it a step further and get dope black artists. Then we could take it another step further and get dope female black artists, right? This right. way, it's encompassing like, you know, the 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 main message in the show and is putting the power in the hands of. The audience who was targeted towards, you know, so right. yeah, that's right. and I think you know we have to continue to put ourselves in positions where, as Black folks, we are able to put other Black folks on. Yes, not just because yes. they're Black, but because they're the right people for the job. You know what yes. I mean? Yes, I absolutely agree. So I absolutely agree. And what I thought was, <laughs> oh, no, it's it's my pleasure. You crushed it. You know, thank you for uh, making the work. You know. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, between working on, um, she's got to have it and insecure, these mm -hmm. are ar arguably the two biggest shows for black women 
that exists right now, right? I'm sure there's others out there, but I'm, I think these are like two of the biggest shows, right? Uh-huh. That are empowering black women. So what does that mean to have your work, you know, based on your style that you you did, you did not like uh, deviate from, right? To have your style uh-huh. be recognized, be called in to do work on these two like really important shows for black women. You know, I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking that I am so thankful for the work that I get. Like since I've been a working artist, which was when I, you know, graduated from school of visual arts and when I started like getting work, um, I've never had to do something that was like, um, that didn't fit in line with my vision. Like all, every time somebody contacts me, it's like somehow connected with my spirit or what I want to say as an artist or, or something that I feel kinship to. And so I feel super thankful and it's super dope because like, I'm such a fan of pop, pop culture because it's, it's like, it's just such an expression of like the world and, you know, I guess in this case, like our specifically our country and like where we are. And so like the fact that I have art out there that uh, that is a part of these big pop culture or movements is so I'm so honored. Like I'm just I'm just thankful every day, really. Like I'm so I'm so thankful that like this is my work and I've been able to like make a career out of this. Um, I don't, I don't know. All I can say is, you know, in the times, there are times where I still get, feel like, you know, oh my gosh, like, you know, as a freelancer, you never know. Like you, I, you know, like I am lucky that like my work has been consistent, but you never know if it's going to stop being consistent. And so there's those worries that come. And then that's when I start to worry about like, oh, I should fit into this or I should fit into that. But then I have to think of like, Nicole, you, you have to remember like the dope stuff that you've done. You have to remember that. And that's how you know you're on the right track. You are on the right track because there are times where I, I sometimes forget about the work that I do because of the way that the world is you just, things go by so fast, you know what I mean? And so it's like, you do something and also like, you know, the internet can be great for many reasons, but sometimes it's like you post something and then it's like over, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, I did this whole thing. I prepared for it. I worked on it for however long. And then, um, you know, I post it and then it's on to the next. And so I have to remember no, that's not how that works. Like, you know what I mean? All of these things are like, this is a result of you planting seeds for years. You Mm -hmm. really like, you know what I mean? And it's not just like me. It's like the fact that I was like, I'm going to, I'm interested in Kamonges and I'm interested in what they're doing. So I'm going to go to their event and see what they're about. And I met you there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't happen without that. So, uh, it also makes me think about like how much I again love love New York and I love like that I get to meet all of these dope people and like you know we're doing art that's dope. To get paid to do art is such a blessing because yeah. who's just like who who really cares about your own personal expression, right? 
but but yeah. then when you when you stay genuine and true to that expression and you release it out into the world then you realize that there are so many thousands of people millions of people who can look at that thing that you created and 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 say like oh yeah that that speaks to me like I dig that I feel something from that and then that's where the value comes you know yeah. and I think you know we live in a situation we live in a world where you know, um, everything is so instant and so fleeting, you mm-hmm. know, and we can't do it for the gram. You know, the gram is important for, as a marketing tool, um, but mm-hmm. you know how many people just scroll, like you, you can invest hours, days, months into a project, post it, mm-hmm. thinking like, yeah, I'm going to crush it with this one. Watch, they ain't even ready for this <laughs> <Yes>. shit, right? <laughs> You yes, post it. I know that feeling. Yeah. You post it. You like create this whole panoramic experience. And you know, it's it's captioned per and you 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 like investigate all the best hashtags and everything. You're like, yo, yo, yes. they, yo, I'm about to change the game. And then people just see it and be like, yes. all right, cool, double tap right. and swipe. And yes. just like Wait, what? And it's always those ones that nobody really cares about. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And then and then it's the one that was a throwaway. You were like, oh, right. okay, I did this. I had like five minutes. I was stuck in traffic. I just sketched this thing out and I posted. And then people are like, oh, shit. Ah, 100,000 right. likes, whatever. It's like, for real, y'all? Right. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. But um, yep. that's the thing, you know. Um. I think as long as I just, want to say one yeah, more got, thing about that too for anybody that's listening is that that is really important what you just said and you know I will be honest like sometimes I let those things get to me and people should remember especially if you like you're an upcoming artist photographer whatever your Instagram light count has nothing to do with your value and it will not block you from getting work because do you know, like, so only recently have I been able, like, I am now like independently, I support myself with my, with my freelance career. And that has taken a long time to do, but you know, and so it's like, you know, I've been happy. I've been like, oh, I'm feeling so grateful. But do you know, sometimes I will post something and for like maybe this week, it's like, I'm not getting a lot of likes on the things that I'm posting and I will reevaluate my like if I'm good enough or if I'm going to have a career and I'm like, girl, you are, you just did a job for, you know, the New Yorker. Why, why are you doing this to yourself? So I think it's so important for people to know that, like, do not let that light count, uh, fog your vision of the value that you bring. Cause they don't equate. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, at one point, you know, um, we had MySpace, and then we had Flickr, oh, yeah. right? Then we had Flickr, and then we yep. have you know Facebook, Instagram. You had Snapchat. It's it's gonna keep changing, right? But yeah, what remains the same is your work, your the mm-hmm. passion behind your work, you finding your voice, and you know creating it, expressing it, sharing it with the world. That would never change. The mediums that you share your work on that will change. You know what I'm saying? So do the work for yourself. Make sure, like, all it is is creating, you know, a JPEG that's going to go out into whatever streaming platform, you know? But the platform is always going to change. So as long as we stay true to that, to doing the work, we'll continue to get work. 
you know, from yep. from people that from clients and and be able to make a living, you know. So do it for the gram, but it's not all for the gram, you right. know. Um, yep. Use it as a marketing tool, but stay true to who you are, and then, and don't seek external validation for to to tell you if you're good or not good, you know. Yep. Yep. Facts. So do you do you find your own clients or do do they come to you as a combination of both? Um, I have, uh, so, okay, I guess it's a combination of both. Like, I'm, I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever pitched anything to anybody. Um, I've been really lucky that people have reached out to me for most jobs that I've gotten, but I will, but I do a lot of work where I, um, like I have a newsletter that I, that I send out and like, I do, you know, if, when people I know are like having um, meetups or something like that, I, I definitely do the in-person networking. And really when I say networking, it's just going to things in the industry that I'm interested in so that I can just be a part of that community. And really that a lot, most of my jobs and even like the art that I sell is from people that I know or that I have met or that have um, told, you know, they, I knew somebody that told somebody else about me I just realized that the other day like that is how this works from like you know um really meeting people in person and networking but also um I send out newsletters um like I said and sometimes it's like you know I just did a job uh I made, I created this banner to get people to fill out the census and I got that job from a woman that I met like six years ago at uh, an exhibition in Harlem. And just now, like we continued to follow each other on social media, but just now is when she had a job for me. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what I do um, to get the word about myself out there. It sounds like you've gotten to the point where your work you know, um, precedes you. Like people know your work before they know you. And because for a lot of independent artists, we have to go out and always be talking and networking, shaking hands, kissing babies and all that stuff to get attention, right? And your work That's just- That's true, can... but I still have to do that. <laughs> okay. I definitely, I definitely don't feel like I'm at all any kind of big time None of that. Like, okay. I feel, like, very much still, like, an up-and-coming artist. Um, you know, I think once you do, like, a couple jobs, like, people keep you in mind. Like, you know, like, I've noticed, like, when I just I just did a job for The New Yorker, and so it's, like, of course, so many people read that magazine or read their social media. And so, I, you know, there's probably going to be some art directors and, and editors that will start to take notice of you when you start to do something for a publication. But I can't just sit back. You know what I mean? That would be ridiculous for me to just sit back. I absolutely have to like go out. And actually I was just thinking the other day that like, you know, if I, if there's something that I want to do, I need to start pitching more. You know what I mean? Like I need to like, and that's something that, you know, um, I feel like people don't talk about a lot. And that's something that I'm still like 
am kind of like shy about, but like, I don't, I still know that I have to do the work because there's a lot of people that don't know about my art and also people forget they meet a lot of people they see a lot of art so you I have to like you know like I said like with the newsletters or sometimes um you know I've been kind of bad about it but during the holidays like I'll send out like people that I've done jobs for like I'll send it you know maybe I'll send them a zine or something like that you know but you have to do stuff to keep people on to keep uh yeah to keep people I like totally had a word fuck so that people remember you you know what I mean and remember your work so I'm absolutely not in a place where people are just like oh yeah Nicole Washington we know her no okay it don't work like that (laughs) you know I know we're in very strange times COVID quarantine is uh, affecting everybody differently um what is next for you like how do you see yourself evolving your art and your career given the current mm-hmm. situation i don't even know honestly i don't know i it's funny like i talk to people about that and i have no clue what's next because we don't know what next year is going to look like you know i've been pretty thankful because uh you know since covid has happened i i've been able to like keep working and like you know i've been in a couple of um, exhibitions, but um, I feel like um, for me, I've been reflecting a lot about what success means and what I want my life to look like. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have um, really, you know, a silver lining in all of this chaos that has happened is that it forces me to reflect and meditate and rethink things. And so um, that's kind of the space that I'm in. As far as artistically, I feel much more, it's weird. I feel really creative because I feel like sometimes as an artist, you can feel like, oh, I have to do this one kind of thing because that's what people know me for. And I feel like if, there's ever going to be a time where people can experiment and do things however they want. Now is the time, you know? Um, But I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just taking things a day at a time because I really don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know. So I don't know. Yeah. That's uh, that's the majority of people right now. Just trying to figure (laughs) things out. Um, but I'm glad that you've been able to continue working and, and even in the midst of all this chaos and confusion, still um, figure some some things out, you know? Yeah. Um, so um, last question. Uh, hmm. If you can write a message or create a new, a new um, symbol, right, for your library... Mm-hmm. Your, um, mm-hmm. for your future self, what would it, what, mm. would, what would, what would you say or what would it look like? What would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I wish I had a symbol or I wish there was a word of like, maybe I guess be present. Maybe that is a, 
what I a symbol or something that I need to do mm. um, because sometimes um, I notice that when I feel anxiety or when I feel pressure or stress or you know it's because I'm not in the moment I'm not taking my life as it is in this moment and doing with it whatever needs to be done in the moment I'm like worried about the future or worried about the past you know so yeah that's funny I don't have a symbol for be present so that is a really good idea thank you for saying that there you go this is what we, this is what we do this is what we do right. <laughs> nice nice all right so Nicole you know just tell folks where they can find you uh, you can find me on Instagram at Nicola Wola, and that's N I C H O L A W O L A. Same um, uh, screen name for YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And then you can just check out my website, NicoleWashington.com. And again, that's N I C H O L E Washington.com. All right. And again, uh, you'll find all of that information in the show notes. You could go to Nicole Was- Nicole's page on the Black Shutter Podcast site to get more information on her and what's, what's going on with her and check out some of her work. So, Nicole, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. And you be, be well. Of course. Thank you. This was, this was dope. This was a pleasure. This is Nicole Washington, and you're tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who tuned into this episode. Thank you for listening. The Black Shutter Podcast is hosted by me, Idris Talib Solomon. To subscribe to the Black Shutter Podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. When you get there, show us some love by dropping a five-star rating or leaving a review. This will help with our rankings, which essentially helps more black photographers get exposure. Make sure to check us out online at blackshutterpodcast.com to read the show notes, learn more about our guests, and check out some of their work. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace. Until next time.